The idea that Linux is fun and the myriad of ways people put distros together should be reviewed often. My name is Moss. I live in eastern Tennessee. And my name is Tony, and I live in the northwest of England. Welcome to Distro Hopper's Digest. We love checking distros out. New distros, new versions of older distros, and maybe even some old distros we've missed. I have my preferences, and Tony has his. Perhaps together we can find some common ground to share with you. The idea of the podcast is that we each install a new distro to our chosen hardware for three to four weeks and use it as much as possible, perhaps even as our daily driver. We record all our trials, tribulations, fixes, what we liked and what we didn't. I like to find distros which would be kind to a new user, especially one who is hoping to move over from another operating system, such as Windows or Mac OS. We intend to give as much information as possible on each distro, and we'll also divulge what hardware we're using and how we think the hardware may have affected the rating. Welcome to Distro Hopper's Digest Episode 8, recorded on December 4th, 2019. Happy birthday to me. For this show, Tony is reviewing Ubuntu 19.10, GNOME, and I've got Zorin OS 15, two different spins of the same thing. We'd like to hear from you what you'd like to see us take on, be it Debian, Red Hat, Arch, Suzy, Mandriva, Slackware, or Gentoo-based distros. Monthly foibles, wherein we discuss what did and didn't work for us this month. I once again tried to do my monthly review on Manjaro, and I'll try again next month. I'd gladly do Endeavor OS, but Tony's already done that, so I wanted to hear from the other side of the Arch Can Be Easy camp. Once again, I had the issue of upgrades downloading and then the system freezes, and when I rebooted, maybe a login would suffice, and started the updates again. It found the downloaded files and installed them. It does this for any files I choose to install from the Software Center or AUR. So no Manjaro this month. A few users in our Telegram group tried to replicate the issue and failed, although I'm pretty sure they were only using a VM. So I'll try again for Episode 9 with a new download. Our friend Tony Hughes blessed me with a Raspberry Pi 3B and a Pi Moroni Clear case via George Dosher of Tech and Coffee. I got around to plugging it in using HDMI 1 on my TV while my Galago Pro 2 is plugged in and was running at the time on HDMI 3. The Pi looked lovely using Raspbian on a card I was using from my Pi 2B Plus, and then I flipped the TV over to HDMI 3 and my Mint was about 20% over scanning my TV monitor, making it almost useless. I managed to lower the resolution and make it work with admittedly larger icons and such. I later found that it also affected my Bodhi installation, but not my other installations. The only common thread is that Bodhi and Mint are based on 18.04 LTS Ubuntu, whereas the other distros I currently have are based on later versions of Ubuntu or just Debian. I moved my laptop HDMI cable to HDMI 2, and everything worked again. The guys in our Telegram group encouraged me to try the experiment again, but I chose to leave things as they lay. Listener Dale Miracle gifted me with a bit of money and a new M570 Logitech trackball to take with me on my daily sojourns with the Kudu 3 while testing distros for this show. Thank you, Dale. I have added another partition on the Galago Pro 2 and installed Sabion on it. That makes six distros on this machine, one of which is Debian, four of which are Ubuntu slash Mint, and one is Gentoo with a wide variety of desktops, although both Mint and Sabion are using Mate. 
I still have the T430 for sale on eBay, and for some reason have been having trouble getting around to posting the IdeaPad 110 there. For that matter, I need to redo the photos on the T430. So, Tony, what's been going on with you? Okay, well, the last month's been a round of family funerals, so while I've uh, been doing the challenge, the hopping challenge for this month, I've probably not been as conscientious of keeping notes as I could have been. That being said, said, I'm back on my Linux roots with Ubuntu, but more of that in a bit. As for other things, I've been getting into my new hobby of collecting and restoring old die-cast model cars, particularly Matchbox models of the 60s and early 70s, although I have managed to pick up a few earlier models from the 1950s. This includes the uh, model that kicked it all off, the Coronation Coach that Lesney produced in 1953 and sold off about a million of, which just after World War II was quite an astonishing thing. Uh, Rationing didn't actually finish in Britain until the following year, so to be able to produce that many models was uh, amazing. I've put a shortcut to a picture uh, in the show notes. Over the uh, last few weeks, I've also been investing in a, num- uh, in a number of these models, some of which have been uh, in need of restoration and such a, uh, some of which are good enough to leave in their 1950s and 60s uh, year old play-worn state. Uh, the investing side of it is a uh, euphemism for spending lots of money. <laughs> On a side note, while sorting some of my late father's belongings two or three years ago, I found some petrol rationing coupons that were never used as rationing had ended just before they uh, were due to be cashed in. That was just something that came to mind while I was talking about the old cars. This week, or the last week or so, I was asked by a friend to upgrade her daughter's laptop to Windows 10 from Windows 7 and install a new SSD into it because it still had a 500 gig uh, spinner. At the same, So I was doing that at the same time. And also do a dual boot of Linux Mint 19.2, Marte. So last week I finally got around to doing it. And believe it or not, you can still do the uh, free upgrade. Considering it's a few years ago that Microsoft supposedly stopped the free upgrade path from Windows 7 and 8 to Windows 10, I found I was still able to do it. What, Microsoft lose money? No. I (laughs) I think Microsoft are just quietly keeping it in the background to allow you to do it because they want to keep you on Microsoft. (laughs) Uh, so after doing the uh, Windows 10 upgrade, I took out the uh, spinner after I, I noticed it had showed us activated. Swapped out the 500 gig spinner for the t- uh, 250 gig SSD and did a clean install, and this went fine. And uh, after install, it showed us activated on the PC, so that wasn't a problem. I then did the uh, Linux Mint 19.2 Marte install, and as you'd figure, that went pretty flawlessly, did the updates on that, went back into the Windows 10 partition, hadn't done any updates on Windows 10 because I knew it was possibly going to take a while. So I did the uh, Linux Mint uh, update first. And when I did the Windows 10 update, it broke Windows. It went into a boot loop. I couldn't get Windows to reboot. And eventually I managed to get it to allow me to do a system restore restored it to the time before the uh, Windows update 
and managed to get a working system, Windows system again. I did a little bit of research on the internet and found out that Windows 10 updates in the last couple of weeks have been pretty bad at breaking the system. So if you have got a Windows 10 ups install out there or you support someone who has got a Windows 10 install, don't do it just yet. Wait until Microsoft admit that there's a problem and they've fixed it. <laughs> so when I was handing back the laptop, I was speaking to Paula, uh, Darcy's mum, and she said she didn't want to use the uh, new subscription service for MS Office, so she was planning to keep a Windows 7 install around. Don't do anything complex with macros or anything like that in Excel or Word. But she does need to send complete, uh, complete documents to other people and was worried about formatting going wrong. So we had a discussion about converting documents to PDF so that she could email these and the formatting would be uh, perfect. She also home teaches the, uh, the two kids and she has to send some of the children's work off to external validators in Oxford. And so this also saves time having to print their pieces of work off before she can uh, scan them to PDF because she can just do this in LibreOffice. They both use LibreOffice on their PCs anyway. So just get them to convert the work to PDF and she can email the documents without having to go through the faff of printing them off, wasting paper and ink and uh, then converting them to PDF with the scanner. I do like it when you can give people solutions to problems that are fairly easy to fix. Well, you know, I don't want to get anyone upset with me for mentioning that other office package, but it yeah, does well, work better. <laughs> yeah, and I think you can use that for converting PDFs as well, can't you? I believe so. I've never tried that, but yeah. uh, you don't have to worry about macros anyhow. Uh, no. Okay. Anyway, so that's my, been my month, so... Uh, on to uh, the next section. Updates, where we discuss what we've learned about distros we've already reviewed. I did a quickie review of Perl Desktop 8 at SourceForge.com. Perl is getting a few downloads, 147 this week, it said it on November 17th. My review is the only review of PD8 to date, although I didn't check earlier versions. I have noticed the more I use Q4OS, Trinity Desktop just doesn't work for a lot of things. Mostly KDE apps I use, which makes it not effective for their intended purpose, marketing to businesses. I think they need to redo their marketing and stop pushing the WinXP aspect of Trinity Desktop. This is as fine a Debian distro as any, but I'm still using Q4OS with Plasma Desktop, and this makes it the only Plasma on my system, and also the only pure Debian on my system. I hear a lot of people complain about the Debian installer, but Q4OS has a simple installer, looks like ubiquity. So if you want Debian Buster and you like Plasma, then you simply should be using Q4OS. If you prefer XFCE, then your easy choice is MX Linux. So as far as my update for this month, there isn't much for me to report. Uh, as I said, it's been quite a strange month. And to be honest, keeping track of the Linux world has been the uh, last thing I've been thinking about. Yeah, so, it has uh, been difficult for me too with my mother in and out of the hospital again. Yeah, oh, so well. uh, I'll pass for this month. <laughs> <laughs> okay, on to this month's first distro, Ubuntu GNOME 19.10. Oh, 
Okay, so just for information, the uh, hardware I tried the uh, well uh, the distro challenge this month on is uh, the information's in the show notes. It's exactly the same machine I've used for the last few months, so there's nothing new there. It's the Toshiba Z30. This is going to be the last time I'm going to use this PC. I've decided I'm going to move on to one of my other Dells for the challenge for uh, at least for the first half of next year. So uh, we'll see how that goes next time. So as you would expect with Ubuntu, the installer is very easy to navigate. On booting into the live image, you get the option to try before you buy or just jump straight into the installation. If you inst- uh, jump into the live environment, Uh, you're presented with the GNOME 3 desktop environment uh, with the dock down the left-hand side of the screen and three icons on the desktop. The folder marked Ubuntu, which takes you into the file manager, the trash bin and the icon to install. I jump straight into the installer. On opening the installer, you get the usual option to choose language and set your keyboard layout. After this, you have the first real decision to make, and that's normal or minimal installation. As I was using the machine for a month, I wanted the normal software, so opted for the normal installation. I also chose to install the updates and third-party software during install, uh, just to say that I'd already connected to the internet, as you will need internet access to be able to do this. This uh, option installs any proprietary software drivers and audio and video codecs you need for things to work after the installation is completed. The next screen gives the option to do a complete install, wiping the hard drive or SSD, install alongside your current OS. I went for the new compute boot option, but uh, like I say, you can do a dual boot. You also get the option to use the ZFS uh, file system, and I chose to stick with the default EXT4. I'm not sure of the benefits of ZFS just at the moment, and just chose the uh, default installation. So when you press continue, you get uh, the warning about losing all your data, and you're asked if you want to continue, and I said yes, and this starts the process of setting up your location, username and password. Uh, as the installation starts. It also asks you if you wish to log in automatically or require the password. Whatever you choose, this can be changed later if you want to. While you're doing this install, uh, is going ahead in the background. So it was only a few minutes later and I was being prompted to reboot into the new system. I duly did this and was presented with a GNOME 3 desktop environment in all its glory. Now, listeners of this show will know I'm not a fan of GNOME 3 or Unity-style desktop environments, so this is when all the fun begins. First off, post-installation hardware facts and issues. After first boot, NeoFetch was reporting around about 780 megabytes of uh, the 8GB of RAM being used, and Top was reporting about the same. Although in a virtual PC, memory usage was nearly 1GB, which I was quite surprised about because usually I find in a virtual machine that memory usage is lower. So I'm not sure what's going on there with the uh, virtual install, but it was back to front to what I normally expect because I use uh, less virtual memory on a virtual machine installation. Anyway, Gparty also reports that the system at first install before adding any additional software uses 
just under 7 gigabyte of disk space which makes using a smaller SSD an option if you're not going to use the PC for storing large files on the local drive. As for hardware, everything was working as you would expect so there was no issues there. Ease of use. This is where my first gripe with GNOME 3 uh, as the desktop layout which uh, I'm not particularly fun of. I got a real gripe with GNOME. I don't see why, after 30 years of using PCs with the taskbar stroke panel at the bottom of the screen and menu to the left side of that, it uh, has to change the kind of working environment. Luckily for me, there are solutions. And thanks to the community out there, I was able to install GNOME Tweet, dash to dock, dash to panel and the arc menu. So thanks to Peter Jones from the Telegram channel and the Biddle community, I was able to get the desktop to look something like what I'm familiar with. (laughs) After that, it's a breeze to use Ubuntu. I honestly don't understand the reason GNOME decided to move from this, what I would class as the normal style of desktop, when GNOME 3 was released. You can use all the modern tool sets and retain the traditional bottom panel or menu layout without re- reinventing everything and getting everyone to learn a new way to do everything. Cinnamon's proved this very well. Application issues. Well, back to Ubuntu 19.10. Everything works. There are a few things that Canonical no longer install on Ubuntu uh, as part of the ISO. Synaptic and GIMP are uh, a couple of them that I use on a regular basis, but they're only an apt install away, as is all the other software tools I use regularly that aren't already installed. So no issues in this department. Also, if there was something not in uh, the regular repos, uh, you have the option of snaps and flat pack once you've installed the flat pack environment to fall back on for other things. Or if you do want the latest and greatest packages that uh, haven't been updated in repo, repos you can uh, go to snap or flat pack for them as well memory usage as i said before it's just below 800 meg on this software and during the use that i threw at the machine over the month or so which included using gimp using video and stuff like that i never came close to maxing out the 8 gig installed on the computer so there was no problems there ease of finding help now this is where being part of the Ubuntu community is fantastic. Because Ubuntu or its derivatives are the predominant Linux in use around the globe, there's no shortage of people or places to get help. As I said, Peter Jones from the Mint, uh, Mintcast Telegram channel helped to get me a desktop environment to look and feel more like what I'm used to and was very patient with me in doing so. And if all else fails, you can always call on Popey for a little advice as he's uh, in several of the social media channels related to Ubuntu. Seriously, the community around Ubuntu and Linux in general has dramatically improved over the last 12 years that I've used Linux. Yes, you still get the occasional RTFM from a few zealots, but on the whole, most folk are very helpful and more importantly, patient with me when I get frustrated that I cannot get it to work. So uh, kudos to the uh, community out there. It's great. Plays nice with others. Ubuntu plays very well with other OSs. Personally, I've never had any issue with installing Ubuntu alongside any other OS or using it in a multi-boot system. Stability. 
This is where I would expect Ubuntu long-term supports to be rock solid, but given this is a point release in preparation for 2004 LTS, this was still rock solid. I would have expected a few more bugs or things to iron out, but uh, I've had no issues at all while using 1910 that, that weren't cosmetic related to the desktop environment. And that's absolutely nothing to do with the distro. That's just the desktop environment. This bodes well for the new LTS when it arrives in April next year. So, uh, Tony, yeah, very I, happy. Yeah. I think they maybe wanted to keep it down to a minimum so they could roll out ZFS. Yeah, that's a possibility. But, you know, there, there has been a few things, and there'll obviously be software things that they're starting to introduce uh, that may still have a few bugs to iron out. But, yeah, it was, it was very stable. I was very happy with it. So, my ratings... Ease of installation. I've put 10 out of 10 for both experienced and new users because it's one of the easiest distros to get up and running. Hardware issues, 10 out of 10. Didn't have any. Ease of finding help. I've given it 10 out of 10. The community's fantastic out there. Ease of use. I've given this 8 out of 10 and that's just because of my gropes with GNOME 3. If you like this desktop environment, you shouldn't have any problems with it. But that's just my personal opinion because of the GNOME desktop environment and the faffing around that I had getting it to look and feel the way I wanted it to. So plays nice with others. Again, 10 out of 10. Stability, 10 out of 10. And my overall rating, I've got to give it 9 out of 10. And again, the only reason I mark that down is because the uh, problems with the, the GNOME desktop for me, you might not have any problems at all. And uh, I, I tend to mark the installation ubiquity as about a 9 out of 10. When you're not a brand <laughs> new user, you don't remember that those things that you've gotten used to really aren't that easy for a new user. And yeah, uh, Calamaris, when it works right, is a 10 out of 10, my, my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like I say, everyone's got personal opinions about these things. So we, we can only give our opinion as we see it at the time. So, similar distros to check out. Well, obviously Linux Mint being based on Ubuntu. 19.3 is due to be released shortly. Uh, I believe the beta is now out for testing. All the Ubuntu spins, Xubuntu, Kubuntu, all those spins that are based, based on 19.10. Pop! OS. I've not tried this yet, but I heard great things about Pop! OS. That's the System76 distro based on Ubuntu. Right. My System76 um, came with that on it, and I played with it, and oh, it's still GNOME. Uh, yeah. It seems like the more advanced users love Pop! OS, and the gamers love Pop! OS, but uh, it, it's still GNOME 3. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, you know, horses for courses, as they say. So uh, there's a myriad of other Ubuntu-based spins. Uh, if I went into detail about every single one, we'd be here half the night. So uh, let's go over to final comments. So apart from my personal issues with GNOME 3 and the initial layout of the desktop environment, Ubuntu just works. I've probably said this many times, but it's worth saying again. If it hadn't been for Ubuntu, I wouldn't have probably got, uh, got into Linux when I did. What Mark Shuttleworth has done for the world in the form of Ubuntu Linux, in my humble opinion, is one of the best things that's happened in the world of technology in the 21st century so far. No Ubuntu and over 90% of today's Linux distributions would probably disappear. 
and with that access to modern computing for large parts of the world who were unable to afford modern PCs and the Windows tax. Although I've moved over to the, uh, to one of these derivatives uh, and I now use Linux Mint for my production PCs, this would not have been possible without Ubuntu Trailblazing, a non-geek Linux OS for the benefit of us all. So thank you, Mark. Ubuntu's great. I could ne- I can never say a bad thing about Ubuntu. I can say a bad thing about some of the distros based on it or the desktop environments, but Ubuntu itself rocks. So thank you. And I did get a bit emotional when I was writing that paragraph, but yeah, we all do that. a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> even the even the distros that Ubuntu did not itself uh, affect were affected by the fact that here is Ubuntu doing it better than all of the rest of us. Yeah, so they've had to up the game to right. get alongside. So yeah, so that unless you've got any more comments, uh, Moss, that's me for this month. So we'll move on to your distro, which is Zorin OS fifteen. All right, Zorin OS 15 Core and Ultimate. Uh, I run my test distros on a System76 Kudu 3 with 16 gigs of RAM and a 500 gigabyte hard drive, an i7, an Intel graphics chipset, and a lot of thanks to Jackie Moore. For me, an installation includes the full installation and all updates. If I can manage it, then I replace LibreOffice if provided with SoftMaker Office. I'm just that kind of guy. I install my preferred VPN, which is currently Mulvad, and I set up Grub Customizer, if available, or other Grub management, and then install my printer, a brother MFC J491DW, a simple matter if you've got Debian or RPM distro, not so much on others. I usually try to install Stacer so that I can get good stats and a few extra controls. Installation was very Ubuntu-like with Ubiquity Installer. It took much less time than I'm used to, and even the updates after purging LibreOffice were snappy. Then the fun started. Post-installation hardware issues. I got all my programs installed fine, but my clickpad could not right-click. Any click was treated as a left-click. I used my trackball, and right-click worked fine. I could not move programs to the taskbar, even though a few were already installed there. I tried to join the Zoran forum to get some questions answered, and was told that my ProtonMail address was not valid for use in their forum. I was informed by members of the Telegram group that a two-finger touchpad use was the equivalent of a right-click, and even later that I could change the settings to enable the right-click on the clickpad, and that what most distros call a taskbar, Zoran calls favorites, and a right-click plus a left-click will get the program there. Just ask a KDE user what happens when you add a program to favorites, and you will know why I'm confused by this. So I have a system which looks like Windows 7, runs like Ubuntu, and, using the latest GNOME desktop with theming, does not allow for things which can run easily in other desktops. I get a red bar warning me against installing something when I attempt to install my packages. It does continue on if I tell it to. That might be a bit disturbing to some, but it does remind one of what should happen in Windows when you install something that you just downloaded. I got an extremely helpful and positive response from Zorin, including a free download link to Zorin OS Ultimate. For the record, Zorin did not ask anything of me for this free copy of Ultimate, and I'm sure you'll be able to tell from my review they didn't get anything they didn't deserve. I am now testing both versions. They also fixed the bug which kept me from registering in the forum, so I have access. So far, I've had nothing but friendly contacts in the forum. 
Zorin's marketing says, quote, you already know how to use this, end quote. I didn't, and I'm a longtime Windows and non-GNOME Linux user. They make it look like different versions of Windows, but that doesn't make it work like them. There are a ton of keyboard and touchpad shortcuts with com- come with GNOME and only GNOME. So just because it looks like Windows doesn't mean it acts like it. I really don't find that this system is working that much like Windows 7 or 10, any more than Linux Mint Mate or other Ubuntu derivatives. Zorin Appearance locked up several times in core, but I did not get the same thing happening in Ultimate, and I did not take the time to report it. There are three desktop choices in core, six in Ultimate, and those six give you more Windows and Mac-like choices in setting up the theming your desktop. I have noticed that the Kudu 3 is only getting two to three hours of running time, whereas it was getting three and a half to four hours last month. I thought Ubuntu GNOME had worked on this issue already. I did not set up any special things like uh, the Slimbook uh, system or uh, my brain is going out again. Anyhow, I did not do anything special. I just ran what came. Have you never used TLP to try and extend your battery life? That's what I was trying to think of. <laughs> <laughs> I have used it. I have used it. I used it on last month's distro. I did not use it on this one. And I think the new Slimbook 3 uh, system that just came out is an even better version. It uses TLP and doesn't conflict with TLP if you choose to use both. Okay. I just heard about that on one of those other podcasts I listened to. Probably Michael Tunnell. And I returned from a time of looking at my phone to see a little pop-up message stating that automatic suspend was about to commence due to inactivity. I thought I had turned off all such power-saving features. In the forum, other users have gotten the same message, and there's no fix just yet. But I haven't seen it other than that one time. Ease of use. Well, it's actually easy to use. I really think my wife should be using it instead of Linux Mint. No good reason, just a feeling. But as I've already said, it's not as advertised to be just like the Windows you already know, paraphrased. I am surprised that I'm using this with so few issues where it took me less than a week before I wanted to blow Pop! OS away. I'm a lot more comfortable with this than I have been with any other implementation of GNOME 3. Memory use. I get different readings every time I look at Stacer. In Ultimate, sometimes I'm only using 0.9 or 1.2 gigabytes of RAM, still not what anyone would call light, and when I looked just before typing this paragraph, it was 4.7 gigabytes, with nothing open other than four tabs of Firefox. Sometimes it's good to have 16 gigs of RAM. If you only have 4 gigs, you might find yourself swapping a lot. Zorin is using 16.9 gigabytes of hard disk. Booting back into Core with only Firefox, same four tabs, and Molvad running, I have 2.0 gigs of RAM in use, and 27.3 gigs of hard disk, but that includes the timeshift files for Zorin Ultimate backups and the Zorin Core backups. With Firefox closed, it says 914.0 megabytes of RAM in use. At any rate, if you have sufficient RAM and disk space, this is potentially a good system for you. If you don't, it isn't. Ease of finding help. The forum is moderated, so it could be a week or two before you get to a trusted status and can just post directly to it. After that, the users respond fairly rapidly and in a friendly manner. The forum does not list the total number of users, but says the largest number on at one time was 299, and there are nearly 52,000 posts to date. This distro has been around nearly as long as Ubuntu itself and should have decent support at all times. 
In the plays nice with others category, I didn't test it. It plays nice with others, Orens. <laughs> but it's really just Ubuntu, so it should be fine. Stability. The only problem I had in locking up was while setting up Soren appearance in core. I had no crashes. I had no problems in ultimate. Again, it should be approximately as stable as Ubuntu. Other versions. Zorin has just recently come out with Zorin OS 15 Lite featuring XFCE desktop. It looks a little heavy at first use, but after getting it updated and rebooted, it used just 505 to 520 megabytes of RAM and around 8 gigabytes of disk space. Their version of XFCE looks just like their Zorin GNOME or even a Mate desktop, but you'll find it works just like the XFCE you expect. I find it easier to log into it boot up, but it was strange to notice that selecting XFCE Terminal just gets you a rather involved terminal setup screen. You have to select Terminal Emulation to run a terminal. Zorin also has an education edition with good programs for kids to learn things on. I did not try this system. Similar distros to check out, Ubuntu, Fedora, Elementary, anything with a GNOME desktop. Ratings, ease of use. Again, I'm not a big a fan of Ubiquity. Once you get used to it, it's great and it does everything you expect it to. But for a new user, there are some things that'll catch you. So new user, 8 out of 10. Experienced user, 9 out of 10. Hardware issues, 8 out of 10. Ease of finding help. Oh, let, let's call that one a 9 out of 10 because I always got the help I needed when I needed it. Ease of uh, use. 8 out of 10. Plays nice with others, 8 out of 10. Stability, 9 out of 10. Overall rating, 8 out of 10. Final comments. This is a really nice distro, probably the best version of a GNOME desktop I've seen. My original thought, however, was, you lied to me! Because while it did look like Windows, it didn't work like Windows, which is what the marketing promised. Instead, it works just like Ubuntu GNOME themed to look more like Mate. While there's nothing wrong with that, it is also not compelling. I would select this distro over Ubuntu GNOME, but Ubuntu GNOME is not at the top of my list of what I've been recommending to new users. I will state that the longer I worked on this review, the less strident the review got. I've had close to zero actual problems with it. But after installing Lite, I found myself working in that more, despite the fact that I like XFCE barely more than GNOME. But just as with the way Zorin spun GNOME for Core and Ultimate, Zorin Lite is the nicest XFCE spin I've seen to date. I am reminded that you need to pay $39, or in uh, Europe, €39, to get Ultimate, and that gets you a few more ways to arrange your desktop and a lot more already installed software. If you would be using this software, then great. But it's all in the Software Center anyhow, so the only thing you won't get with Core is the extra desktop themes. Zorin does a lot of work behind the scenes and feeds its updates, upgrades, and fixes upstream to Ubuntu. So if you like supporting Linux, then acquiring a copy of Ultimate is a good way to show it. Yeah, when you're talking about um, distros that try to say that they're uh, looking like Windows... Even Linux Mint, to me, doesn't 100% look like Windows, and it definitely doesn't work like Windows. Uh, for a new user to Linux, you know, one of the first things is, can I install X, Y, and Z that are all Windows programs? Uh-huh. And you've got to say no. <laughs> well, I really think, so, Tony, that if you'd reviewed this distro, you'd be a lot uh, f- feeling a lot better about GNOME. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. So... Uh, 
Maybe I'll have to take a look at it. I didn't have to it. tweak it to get it to look like Matei. It was there. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, it's just this thing about saying, you know, Linux, you know, emulating Windows. It yeah. can never emulate Windows because Windows software won't work on it. So you still got to tell people you've got to use different software. Well, here's the so, thing, though. Besides the software, I mean, just the desktop. GNOME has a lot more to it than Windows desktop it can look like windows desktop but it, it but you want it to run like gnome if you want that desktop at all yeah yeah and, and linux is so much more powerful than uh, than windows in the sense of what you can tweak and and do with it we should be celebrating the difference with win uh, with linux compared with windows rather than trying to emulate windows that's my feeling so anyhow the biggest problem with zorin is their marketing <laughs> yeah, but like you say, if you if you want to support Linux in general, you know, bunging them a few bucks to get the ultimate. If you don't want the hassle of doing all that installation yourself, is uh, is probably a good thing. I have heard from other podcasts that uh, Zorin actually works on certain projects for Ubuntu that that make it into the Ubuntu project that 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 takes that work away from Ubuntu and these other distros that use the results of that project. Oh, that's good. So, like I say, if you want to support Linux, paying for Zorin is a decent way to do that. Shall we move on? We shall. New releases this month. From our October 31st show to present, and again, I'm doing it in most recent first. Endless 3.7.5 just came out this morning. Container 2303.3.0. Tails 4.1. Elementary 5.1. Sparky 2019.12. Kane 11.0. Arch 2019.12.01. Archman 2019-12XFCE. Ultimate 6.6 Gamers Mate. KDE Neon 2019.11.28. Proxmox 6.1 Mail, Kali 2019.4, Libre Elect 9.2.0, Volume IO or Volumio 2.671, Devon 2.1, Absolute 2019.11.25, Blue Star 5.3.12, Knopix 8.6.1, Smart OS 2019.11.21, Container 2247.7.0, Pardas 19.1, Clonezilla 2.6.5-1, Zorin 15 Lite, Endless 3.7.4, OSMC 2019.11-1, IP Fire 2.23-Core 138, Debian-Edu 10.2.0, Debian 10.2.0, Oracle 8.1, Archman 2019-11, Blue Star 5.3.11, PC Linux OS 2019.11, Void 2019.1109, Clonezilla 2.6.4-12, Manjaro 18.1.2, quote, awesome, end quote, Batocera 5.24, Neth Server 7.7, Red Hat Enterprise Linux 8.1, Zential Server 6.1, KOS 2019.10. Feedback. Hello, Tony. Hello, Moss. 
I really enjoyed listening to your podcast and also to the Mintcast. Your distro hopping adventures have inspired me to do virtual distro hopping. I have the, uh, I have the following installed under VirtualBox. Fedora 31, successfully upgraded from the command line from Fedora 30. Sparky Linux 6, Parrot Linux, Solus Budgie 4.0, Fortitude, Zorin OS 15, which makes me feel like a henchman to, of Christopher Walkin, OpenSUSE, Ubuntu Budgie 19.10, MX Linux. My, uh, my Linux um, uh, Mint build is 19.2 Cinnamon. Kind regards, John Wallace. And I replied, Hi, John. Sorry for the late reply, but life's been a bit of life just recently. Glad to hear that you enjoy the show and that you're distro hopping via VirtualBox. That's how I got started. Just be warned, it's catching. Before you know, you'll be buying a second PC or dual booting to get the real metal experience. Smiley face. (laughs) John replied, Hi, Tony. Thanks for your reply. While the idea of having an additional PT just uh, for your physical testing of Linux distros would be great, I would not be able to get a business case past my lovely wife, although she is a happy Linux Mint user, uh, with me doing the maintenance stuff for her. I'm going to recreate my Zorin OS virtual machine as it had run out of space. Do you have any advice, suggestions on what to remove from the default installation to keep the size down? At present, LibreOffice is one of my candidates to remove before initial patching of the virtual system. One thing that intrigues me, how did Budgie Desktop get its name? My wife and I have Budgies as pets, so the expression Budgie Desktop is amusing us. One of the two Budgie Desktops that I've tried out so I'm impressed with Solus Budgie that it would be my distro of choice if I were to ever switch from having Linux Mint as my primary distro. Kind regards, John. So I replied, Hi, John. I would remove anything that you don't use. LibreOffice is a good one as it takes up a bit of space. But GIMP, VLC, etc. are probably not going to be used in a VM. I think it's a case of going through the software list and just install, uninstall anything you can live without. As for an additional laptop, it's coming up to present season. What about asking Santa? <laughs> again, I did a smiley face. Well, again, with Zorus, you could. Uh, I don't know if he's installing Core or Ultimate. There's a lot you could leave out of Ultimate, but Core, yes, LibreOffice is a good place to start. Announcements. We are still hoping to produce a user-only show, Distro Hopper's Digest User Edition. We have posted the criteria to be used in your review on the blog at distrohoppersdigest.blogspot.com. We did not get any submissions in November. If you can, please submit your review in FLAC, but we will accept an MP3 file. So if that's the best you can do. Submitting a script of what you said will also help our listeners, but it's not required. Please send your submissions to distrohoppersdigest at gmail.com. My work here and at Mintcast can be supported by joining my sponsors at sponsors.org slash u slash Zyvala or by direct donation through sponsors or PayPal. I am very grateful for all donations which have been or will be received. Please tell me if you'd like your name used on the show however you choose to donate. 
Our next show will be recorded on or about January 8th, 2020. Visit our website at distrohoppersdigest.blogspot.com and follow us on MeWe, Telegram, Mintcast, Discord, and at our Telegram and MeWe Mintcast groups. Please contact us at distrohoppersdigest at gmail.com if you have any comments or suggestions. And just to add that, our January the 8th recording will be a special episode. We probably mm. won't be doing a review of Distros next month, but uh, looking at the year gone and the year to come. So uh, hopefully you can look forward to a special episode for the new year. Before we go... We would also like to thank all those who make this project possible starting with the Mintcast podcast team for allowing us to use their Mumble server, archive.org for storing and helping to distribute this program, Audacity, which we use for recording and editing the show, Joshua Lowe for work on our logo, all those who work on the teams which are creating, adapting and maintaining the Linux distros we have reviewed this episode. Mid-Air Machine, creators of the song Streets of Santivo, used as our music under Creative Commons license, Thanks to Linus Torvalds for the kernel, Richard Stallman for the GNU toolkit, and for all those who've worked behind the scenes on free and open source Libre software. And thanks to the rest of the Mintcast team for letting us use their Discord channel and lots of encouragement. We shall be back next episode. Thank all of you for listening. Mm-hmm.